Before we start, I need to make a correction to a previous episode. Of course, in our last episode, the Bad News Bears, I mentioned Tony Curtis was in the Bad News Bears go to Japan. But back in episode 177, Telly Who Loves You, Baby, I mentioned Tony Randall was in the Bad News Bears go to Japan. Just to clarify, it was Tony Curtis that was in the Bad News Bears go to Japan, not Tony Randall. You waited 200 episodes to tell us that? Well, it was the summer of 2021. I was going through a lot of things. You feel better now, Greg? Yes. An anthology about the bad, the short-lived, and the forgotten shows and events in television history. This is It Was a Thing on TV. Punisher! Control! Tell me before I change my mind! I give you Super Train! Episode 365, submission number 36, Homeboys in Outer Space. Homeboys in Outer Space aired on UPN from August 27, 1996 to May 14, 1997 for 21 episodes, not counting an unaired pilot. 21 episodes? That's five more than both the Hudson Brothers Razzle Dazzle Show and Uncle Croc's Block. And this is the seventh entry that has originated in 1996. In 1996, UPN would be in its third season of existence. And the two most popular shows on UPN would be, of course, day one science fiction epic Star Trek Voyager and mid-season favorite Moesha, which features Brandy in her second big debut. I know they billed it as her big debut, but what they didn't realize at the time was Thea, a show called Thea, which, by the way, is on the list. That actually featured a young Brandy Norwood before she got her record deal. And ever since that show was canceled, she became this big pop star. Now, we're not going to talk about Moesha, and we're definitely not going to talk about Star Trek Voyager, but we are going to talk about a show that tried to attract the audiences of both shows and ended up alienating the audiences of both shows. The mastermind of this show, Eric Van Lowe, was known for a reasonably successful but equally short-lived TV show on ABC called Where I Live, 
which would be the television debut of one Dougie Doug, and also an actor slash comedian by the name of Flex Alexander. And I gotta stress this, no relation. No, really? I'm sure that's what everyone was dying to know. Is Chico related to Flex Alexander? And the answer, no. So, Eric Van Lowe, whose previous credits include Rock, Billy, which would be the head of the class spinoff, Billy, and The Cosby Show, he got an idea, and this is the elevator pitch, Homeboys in Outer Space. That is the elevator pitch. Anyway. (laughs) Homeboys in Outer Space. Homeboys in Outer Space. No premise. Just Homeboys in Outer Space. Well, we we heard the premise in the theme song, but let's go into it a little bit more thanks to this press flyer issued by UPN. Now, hold Hold on on a second. Hold on, hold on. I'm with Greg. You just say Homeboys in Outer Space sold. That's it. I'm buying. And that's exactly what UPN did. I actually have the press flyer that UPN turned out to advertise the show. Ty and Morris, that's Tiberius Walker and Morris Clay, are two 23rd century jacks-of-all-trades who galaxy-hop and planet-trot in search of freelance employment, cold hard cash, and life's elusive big break. Along the way, these eager entrepreneurs become enthralled in hilarious, out-of-this-world adventure and meteoric mayhem. Rocketing along in their space hoopty, a cross between the Starship Enterprise and a wrecked Impala, Ty and Morris try to accomplish their miscellaneous missions, anything from acting as space messengers to alien babysitters, but usually collide headfirst with their unearthly responsibilities. Morris, whose goal was to become a Starship commander, is the captain of the hoopty, He was enrolled in Starship Commander Community College. I guess it was a bit of a stretch from Starship Academy. Starship Commander Community College. Starship (laughs) Commander Community College. I want to know what they teach at Starship Commander Community College. Probably the same thing they teach at Starfleet Academy at an affordable price. Do they have an athletics program at Starfleet Commander Community College. I believe they do. Oh, I'm sure they do. And you know what the one thing they don't have uh, when they do the athletics there? Starfleet regulations. That's outrageous. (laughs) No regulations. Nope. Okay, so he was enrolled in Starship Commander Community College until Ty got them both expelled. So instead of rocketing up the ziggurat lickety-split, Morris and Ty use their tuition refund to purchase a slightly used space hoopty. Now with Ty's... I'm I'm sorry, space hoopty? Oh my god. That's the name of their junket, okay? No, I get that, I get... The space hoopty. I get that, I get that. Oh my gosh. I'm sorry, you called your... 
you call your transportation the space hoopty. You're not off to a good start. No. Space hoopty. Oh my gosh. So yeah, so they used their refunds to purchase the space hoopty, and now <laughs> wanted by and now to quote uh I believe Hold on, Len- hold on, hold on now. They used their refunds. <laughs> Oh my god! Sorry, we're stuck on the space hoop for a second. As you can see, my captain and commander are dead right now. But anyway, to quote a writer much more talented than I, today, still wanted by absolutely nobody, they survive as soldiers of fortune. Soldiers of fortune! And guiding the hoopty is an outmoded, sassy onboard computer named Laquatia. No, we can't use that name. No, 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 no. I swear to God, that is her name. We have a space hoopty with Laquatia. Oh, no. This tart-tongued maven of the mainframe resents that she's confined to the console and spends her time in perpetual overdrive Tormenting Ty with her caustic remarks and teasing Morris with her cybernetic feminine wiles. Ty and Morris set up office in a corner of the Jupiter 2, a tavern run by Ty's contentious brother-in-law Vashti, a man-eating, cigar-loving humanoid. Overshadowing them in their climb to the middle is the ravishing, hard-edged Ama, who gets all of the choice assignments while Ty and Morris must settle for her scraps. <sighs> and this only lasted one season. This only lasted one season. This needed to last six seasons in a movie. I swear to God. Yes! Yes! Mm-hmm. This was this was like Scorch. It should have been six seasons. No, no, no. No, don't compare it to Scorch. Please, Greg, don't compare it to Scorch. I am comparing it to Scorch. No, wait a second. Would the Space Hoopty actually last six years? Would they have to get the Space Hoopty 2 at some point? Because, you know, I don't think Hoopties last six years. No. It's there, Greg. I just threw a big hole right in your, your, your master plan there of six years of this. Well, it took them 20 years to get a new Enterprise on Star Trek. But that wasn't the Space Hoopty, now was it? No, that was the Galaxy class, and that was only supposed to be good for five years. They got 20 good years out of it. Okay, maybe they can get six years out of the Hoopty, I don't know. Okay, so, here's who we have manning the Space Hoopty. Playing... (laughs) Every time you say that, I'm going to die. I'm sorry. That That's like the equivalent of Greg dying every time he heard the winds of Whoopi. I'm just <laughs> saying it right now. When I hear the space hoopty, I'm going to react that way. So I, I apologize throughout the course of this episode. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So in the role of Tiberius, Ty, Walker... We have Lex Alexander, who would be coming off of doing Where I Live with Dougie Doug. Ty Walker, so he's not playing the baseball pitcher, Ty Walker. No. Okay. It's not Tyson Walker. No, it's Tiberius Walker. Yes, 
And he is the first mate of the Space Hoopty. His captain, Morris Clay, is played by Daryl M. Bell, who would just be coming off of doing a different world and playing the very much against type Ron Johnson. And their computer, their onboard computer, Loquacia Jones, is played by Rona Bennett. She was actually a member of En Vogue, at least for one episode of In Living Color. Oh, you're never going to get it. Uh-huh. No, you're never going to get it. I'm sorry, I thought Greg was going to do that. Yeah. It was actually very good with you singing that. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Yes, it was. Don't lie. Yeah, this is perhaps the longest that she has ever been in an actual TV series. And she's actually currently still in En Vogue, along with uh, Cindy Heron and Terry Ellis. So good for her. Cool. Playing Vashti, the proprietor of the Jupiter 2, man of a thousand voices, Kevin Michael Richardson. Oh, man, Kevin Michael Richardson. Legend. Where to start? Oh, yeah, uh, the Cleveland show. I was just saying Simpsons. Yeah, Simpsons too. But let's not forget, he was Stan in that one legendary episode of How I Met Your Mother. Yes, where he is writing a poem for Marshall and Barney to try and seduce Ted. Why don't you tell Ted that just knowing he's out there thinking about you, caring about you, makes you feel safe. So all your fears, all your yesterdays wash away, and only hope remains in the promise of his embrace. Wow, go Stan. Who is this guy? He's a security guard who works nights. And he eats lunch at McLaren's every day. And he wasn't done, not by a long shot. You make me thank God for every mistake I ever made because each one led me down the path that brought me to you. It's like, really nice, man. Whatever, it's okay. And when we finally come together, I want you to hold me. Hold me all night. Stroke my hair. Tell me I'm a woman and show me you a man. Until there was only now. You and I and now. Yes! You want me to text that to Ted. I know that. You know, you just have to watch the episode. It makes total sense. But yeah, he also played Martian Manhunter in Young Justice and Hunk in Voltron the Third Dimension. Hunk! Hunk. That's the character, Hunk. Hunk. Pilot of the Yellow Lion. Rounding out the cast as Ama is Paulette Braxton, who would be known as the Porsche Girl in 1998's feel-good film, a night at the Roxbury. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. No more. Yeah. <laughs> you can't see it, but Mike is doing the head pop. But aside from this, she too was a that girl for that thing. I mean, aside from this show, the longest run she's ever had was as Veronica Cooper on The Parkers, which would do a whole lot better than this piece of crap. 
How dare you call this a piece of crap, Chico? How dare you? How dare I indeed. And we also have a recurring character playing an android bartender slash busboy at the Jupiter 2. And his name, I swear to God, Android Lloyd Wellington III. <laughs> is Peter McKenzie, who had just be coming off of three to four seasons of Herman's Head. <laughs> so now that you know who was actually in this show, let's talk about the sort of adventures that Morris and Ty would end up going on. In the space hoopty. In the space <laughs> in the space hoopty, yes. Episode one. There's no space like home or Return of the Jedi. <laughs> we're we're after our rousing start. Oh, it gets better. Two young freelancers traverse galaxies in the 23rd century. So it's basically the expository episode. And in this episode, playing a crewman on the Space Hoopty, a crewman by the name of Pippin, the one, the only, James Dewan. Oh yeah, Scotty. Yes, sir. No other. Hey, we have another name in this episode. And it's a name we've talked about a ton. Playing Ernestine in this episode is Gene Spiegel Howard, A, Ron Howard's mom, and Clint Howard. Can't forget about Clint. And we just talked about her within the last month or so because she was on a couple of episodes of Two of a Kind, including an episode where she tried killing her real-life husband, Rance Howard. Yes, but let's not forget, she's also Bryce's granny. Bryce Dallas Howard's granny. That is correct. Yes. And we have another name on this episode, if you believe that. Playing a role, Habib, Iqbal Teba, a.k.a. Principal Figgins on Glee. Episode 2. The Pleasure Planet Principal, or G marks the spot. Oh, come on. Oh, jeez. No. The Pleasure Planet Principal, or G marks the spot. Oh, yes. You, you can clearly tell that the UPN is aiming at a real high level here. Yes. <laughs> and by high, we, of course, mean so very low. How low is it, Chico? The guys go to an all-female pleasure planet with a deadly mating ritual. Oh! It gets worse, people. The name of the planet, and I remember because I watched this episode, Fallopia. <laughs> I can't get He's doing Oh! I want to take a step of his face. <laughs> Mike is not frozen. He's just stunned. We have 19 more episodes of this to go? We have 19 more episodes of this to go. 
And oh, by the way, in the last episode and this one, we have a character named Milky Ray. And just who you need on the Pleasure Planet, Milky Ray. Oh my! He's played by Michael Collier, who actually won a hundred thousand dollars on a season of Star Search. So allegedly, he's funny. And this episode was the first appearance of Peter McKenzie as Android Lloyd Wellington the third episode three papa's got a brand new old bag or that's no lady that's my grandma <laughs> ty and morris meet a relative hold on, when they... hold on i'm talking here just give me a dang just wait till you hear what the episode's about again only 18 more episodes to go of this crap Okay, go read the capsule before I just completely, like, explode. Okay. Ty and Morris meet a relative when they transport cryogenic chambers. Yeah, they basically run into Morris's grandmother. Oh my god, is this like a Futurama situation where freaking Fry became his own grandpa? Yeah. Oh, that's terrific. Now, the only difference, Greg, is Futurama is much funnier. Unfortunately, not much in the way of known entities on this episode, so... Shall we move on, then? I don't know whether to say yes or no. Might as well. Okay, go for it. Episode 4. Behold, a pale planet, or what if God was one of us? The Hoopty Crash lands on a planet whose pale inhabitants think the guys are gods. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, so playing King Bob, a guy who's been in many a thing, but most notably on not necessarily the news, Danny Breen. And playing his son... Prince Bob, Jonathan Slavin, who would be known for Strip Mall, Santa Clarita Diet, Speechless, and Dr. Ken. And Better Off Ted. And let's not forget that Dr. Ken actually had a stunt double in that show. Dr. Ken had a stunt double on that show. And playing a guest role as himself, Sherman Hemsley. You know what that means, guys. He got away from the Boom Boom Room. Yes. (laughs) I can't believe Sherman Hemsley's career is now just the Boom Boom Room around here. No, forget Amen. Forget the Jeffersons. It's the Boom Boom Room. It's the Boom Boom Room. German yeah. Hensley's career is the Boom Boom Room. It's the us. Boom Boom Room, yes. Okay, episode five, Loquacia Unplugged. Or, come back, little cyber. Loquacia's singing career forces the guys to install a new computerized navigator. So we do hear Loquacia singing, and it is really good, obviously. But playing their substitute navigator, Raven, is Yonda Davis, who 
hasn't done much before this show and hasn't done much since. But check this out. Playing Spacey Kasem. Oh, jeez. Right. <laughs> <sighs> How long did it take you to come up with that, Eric Van Lowe? How long? Casey Kasem. <laughs> Episode 6 House Party or Play That Funky White Music Droid Hired to clean Jupiter 2 the guys decide to throw a party there instead Does this look like anything? We have two big names Playing Inspector 17 Ethan Phillips who would be moonlighting from Voyager at this time. And also playing Inspector 17, David L. Lander. Squiggy from Laverne and Shirley. Episode 7. Dog Day Afternoon or When the Going Get Rough. A strange force causes Morris to switch bodies with Vashti's wife's dog. Oh, boy. Okay, so writing this episode with Eric Van Lowe would be Chris Cluis, who wrote much of the last season of Night Court. As Mo and Ty are bringing Vashti's poodle back from a grooming, they pass through an energy field that transfers Morris's consciousness into the dog! <laughs> Uh-oh! Uh-oh! Uh-oh. Oh, boy. Hey, Corky, what do you have to say about that? You won't believe what happened. I'm going to add one more thing about Chris Cluis. Not only was he a producer on the last two seasons of Night Court, he produced like five years of Mad TV. Nobody gives Mad TV the love it deserves. I'm sorry. You know, yeah, it was really good, but the thing of it is they rebooted it and it did not live up to the standard. Well, yeah. that, yes. Mm -hmm. But the original, very good. Very, very good. Okay, we have a name on this episode. I believe it's one we talked about before. Playing Petey Barnum, Donovan Scott. He was on an episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh, what episode? He played Santa Claus in Mall. In the Christmas episode? Yes, that was the episode where they were looking for the DS, I believe. Maybe it was a Wii? It was around that time frame. It was the one where they brought up Von Hayes. Oh, yeah. But I think this is the one where Charlie goes up to the Santa Claus in the mall and says, Are you effing my mom? <laughs> That's the one. Yes. Yep. Never and thought we'd get a reference to Von Hayes on this podcast. There you go. You know what? He also played a Santa on Bones, The Middle, The Three Gifts, Matchmaker Santa, Santa Switch, Baby Daddy, Death to Cupid, and what episode of Days of Our Lives from 2016? But did not appear in Santa Boot Camp with John Shuck. And also did not appear as Santa on this series. So is this typecasting? Yes. End of segment. Playing Snowball, the dog, Darla, the dog. 
Wow, what a credit! Darla the dog is playing a dog. Episode 8. Devil in Miss Jones, or Dismember of the Wedding. While Vashti plans for his little sister's wedding, Ty and Morris discover that the dreaded Lucifer virus has possessed Loquatia. So spread this video to all your friends, because it's a computer virus. Virus! Take it from me. I am a doctor. Doctor Toboggan. Mantis Toboggan. Playing the little sister Shelly is Loretta Shelby, a.k.a. Jazzy Rita. She is actually a former contractor for the Department of Defense, where she hosted and produced the Loretta Shelby Show for Armed Forces Radio and TV Services from 1990 to 1997. Since then, she's been a that woman from that thing. But she was a tour leader on a 1994 episode of Seinfeld, The Raincoats, from season five, Greg. Okay. And she played young Vivian on a 1992 episode of The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Episode 9, Trading Faces, or All the King's Homies. Lookalike Ty substitutes for the Emperor of the Galaxy. Yep, it's your basic The Prince of the Pauper episode. Playing the Major Domo, Major Domo, to the Emperor of the Galaxy, Joel Brooks. No name, he was on My Sister Sam. Yes. And a pretty good pyramid player back in the day. Indeed he was. An interesting thing, you know who wrote this episode? Miguel A. Nunez Jr. Juana Man wrote this episode? Juana Man wrote this episode! Oh, this explains so much. Mike, isn't that amazing? Jawana Man wrote an episode of this show. Don't drag me into this. Episode 10. A man's place is in the homie, or the Stepford guys. When the hoopty conks out in outer space, it's towed to a planet run by women where Ty and Morris discover they'll have to work off the repair bill in a strip club. Woo! You know what? Sherman Hemsley should have been on this episode. <laughs> I could only imagine. We have a name in this episode playing DeMille, Edie McClurg. React. React. We've talked about her plenty. We don't need to react. We, you know, where have we talked about her? We talked about her Madam's Place. She played yeah. uh, Solaria the Psychic. Mm-hmm. Talks about her in the David Letterman show. And of course she was on Hogan Family... Whatever it was called this week. Valerie's family, Valerie, the Hogans. And I think, obviously, when we bring her name up, we have to mention she was in the movie Ferris Mueller's Day Off. Hold on a second. We're one week away, guys. We're one week away from going to a place. Oh, I see what you did there. Episode 11. Homeboys in Wonderland, or Hoopty Doopty. Hoopty Doopty. <laughs> oh, boy. T- 
Ty and Morris are offered up as guinea pigs for a new transporter machine that Vashti has purchased. When the guys emerge from the machine, they step into a world that is 180 degrees opposite from the one they left. And they like it just fine. Ty and Morris emerge from the transporter as the most feared space pirates in the galaxy. Hold on. Who would fear these guys? Nobody. Nobody. Nobody! And yet... Vashti kowtows to him, and Amma lavishes her favors on the guys. With their new status, they have a hard time justifying their return to the other side. Meanwhile, evil versions of the pair are transported to the Jupiter 2 in their place, wreaking havoc in both dimensions. It's an evil twin episode. We're just going through all of the sci-fi tropes. Can you blame them, though? Just saying. This is not high-quality television, I'm sorry. So they're going to play all the tropes. They're playing all the hits. Episode 12. Super Bad Foxy Lady Killer or Ty and Morris Get the Shaft. Oh my god. (laughs) These titles are so great. They keep getting better and better with every episode. Oh jeez. Oh yeah, yeah. An homage to 70s black exploitation flicks with a takeoff on that era's popular Shaft series. Ty and Morris bend the rules of quantum physics when they are sucked up into an antique motion picture. Staff, a mid 20th century opus in the genre of black exploitation. The trick is that they can't interfere with the plot or they'll remain trapped in the film forever. So, this is like the prime directive. They cannot interfere. In this movie whatsoever. They cannot interfere in this movie whatsoever. They come damn near close to interfering in the movie in every foreseeable turn. Oh no. What a shocker. I know, right? Anyway, we have three known names in this episode. Three. Playing staff. Lawrence Hilton Jacobs, a.k.a. Freddie Boom Boom Washington from Welcome Back, Cotter. Playing Nefertiti is Kenya Moore. I believe she's a real housewife now. And playing Dolama, Antonio Fargus. Legendary. Huggy Bear. Huggy Bear, yeah. We've talked about him. I'm trying to remember where we talked about him. But we brought up his son because his son is Justin Fargus, who played for the Raiders for uh, a bit of time as a running back like 20 years ago. Because we were talking about if they rebooted Starsky and Hutch. Because wasn't that like on the table within the last year or so, either as a TV remake or as a movie? Yeah, I don't think it was a movie because we had the movie already. But they're, uh, they were talking about doing a new version of Starsky and Hutch. And we were talking about who Huggy Bear should be. It's like Justin Fargus. Because he's the original Huggy Bear's son. How perfect is that? Yeah, we talked about him when we were talking about them doing a gender-flipped reboot of Starsky and Hutch. That's what it was. That's what it was. still on the table. Still very much on the table. Hey, it won't top the greatness of the 2003 Starsky and Hutch. Do it. 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 Papa with the glass, the glass in your head. What's going on? What are you doing? Damn it. 
He needs his brain. Otherwise, he's just gonna float around forever saying, do what now? Okay. <laughs> Episode. <laughs> do it, do it, do it. Do what now? Episode 13. Brothers got no soul, or I love Lucifer. Nobody <laughs> loves Lucifer. No one loves Lucifer. When a shady character appears in the Jupiter 2, everyone is smart enough to steer clear of the sly little guy, except for Ty, who is easy prey for the devil, a.k.a. Mr. Tam. Ty signs a contract that promises him fame, power, and women, women, women. This is all in exchange for a payment that Mr. Tan, the broker on the deal, says they can discuss at a later date. Ty suddenly transformed into the sexiest, most fearless mercenary in the entire universe, just as Morris, Ty's smarter half, realizes exactly who Mr. Tan is. But Ty is sucked into the sweltering underground sauna known as Hell before Morris can knock some sense into his fellow homeboy. So we've done Evil Twins, We've done the cameos from the Star Trek universe. Now we're doing a Faustian bargain. Playing Mr. Tan, Walter Franks III, who was a clerk in How the Grinch Stole Christmas, a film glass guy in Scream 2, and Little Richard in Mr. Rock and Roll, the Alan Freed story. But guys, there's a bigger name in this episode. Oh, this is a big one. Playing himself, Doug Llewellyn. What do you think of the judge's decision? And it should be noted that at this time, 1996-1997, Doug Llewellyn was actually a consultant on the first season of Judge Judy. Go watch the shows on Pluto TV. You'll see his name in the credits as a consultant. And while we all file our papers with Rusty the Bailiff, I think we should take a break before we all die of extensive punish, because I promise you, they get far worse as the shows go on. After these messages, we'll be right back. Forget Iron Mike. Forget Sugar Ray. Get ready for the showdown in Motown. In this corner, Moesha's best friend, Kim. In the other corner, new friend, Teresa. They're going for the title of Moesha's favorite homegirl. But will it end in a TK Mo? Olympic boxer Fernando Vargas and Fredro Star from Onyx are ready to rumble on an all-new Moesha. Tuesday night at 8 on UPN 38. Not just cake, cake with a new attitude. Because taste is hot, fat is not. Got a craving for chocolate? Get your licks in. Sweet rewards. Dessert with an attitude. New from Betty Crocker. This fall, you'll get a double dose of comedy. Wheels are in motion. Things are happening. Because this is no Seinfeld. I can sense the slightest human suffering. Are you sensing anything right now? And mad about you. Going to a wedding without pants? You bet. Let him see who the best man really is. We'll be together at last. That is my idea of comedy. Back-to-back laughter starts Monday at 7 on UPN38. What up? Meet Martin Lawrence. I'm so crazy. He's Jerome. Girl, you got more curved than a bottle of coke. He's Otis. Somebody won't give me love. He's Mama. Don't mess with me, Gina, because I'm taking it! Martin, he's all that. People say I'm the life of the party. Start September 16th at 6.30 on UPN38. 
Remember Jaws. Remember the terror. Some fish must have had a real feast off this guy. When will something scare you that much again? <laughs> Tuesday night, that's when. Half a million people swim in that bay on any given Saturday, not to mention the rest of the week. What else do you need? Proof. Dive into the ultimate sci-fi thriller. Fifteen people are dead. Don't test me, Doctor. One move without my approval and you're unemployed. Dive into the burning zone. <laughs> All new UBN Tuesday. Welcome back. If you're just tuning in, we've had evil twin episodes, Star Trek cameos, and a Faustian bargain. In short, we're going through all of these science fiction tropes this evening. Hey, maybe we'll have a full bingo board by the end of this episode. Maybe we will have a full bingo board by the end of this episode. Let's find out, shall we? Episode 14. El Voyage Fantastico, or I've Got You Under My Skin. Fantastic Voyage reference, mark it off. When Ama falls ill with the fatal tropical disease, Pina Colitis, <laughs> Andy shrinks the hoopty Ty and Morris and injects them into her bloodstream to battle the virus. Do you like Pina Colitis? And getting lost in the rain. <laughs> it just doesn't work. If you're into a body halfway to her brain. No? Okay. Moving on. Episode 15. The longest yard and a half or the, <laughs> the Shawshank Redemption Center. Oh my god. When Ty and Morris are caught smuggling sugar, they're sent to prison, but they plan to break out during a football game with a rival prison. Oy. Yeah, that's one way of saying it. Oy. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Episode 16. An officer, an officer and a homeboy, or full metal jackass. Jackass, not jackass. I like your version better, though. Yeah. Okay. When the Ebola Tola threatens the galaxy, Ty and Moe enlist in the military where Ty is thrown out of boot camp and Moe is sent on a hazardous mission to find a way to successfully drop a mega bomb on the enemy's command post. The Ebola Toa. Oh, oh hold on. Wait till you see who plays the Ebola Toa. I know, I see, but oh my gosh. It's, it's a portmanteau of Ebola and the Ayatollah. What the hell? Yeah, pretty much. Hold on. Playing the, Ebola. Playing the Ebola Toa. <laughs> Little Richard. <laughs> oh my god! Hold on, I know what their first reaction when they saw the Ebola Toa was. Okay, you ready? Their first reaction was when they saw the Ebola Toa. You gotta miss my land! All right, I'm gonna assume that at this time in 1997. Little Richard is at the point of his career where 
he'll do anything for a buck. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Episode 17. Happy, happy droid droid or Ama sees red. Wait, happy, happy droid droid? Happy, happy droid droid. <laughs> Andy is successful in finding the sacred orb and the guys realize he has proven himself to be a soldier of fortune. When they discover that he has no emotion... They try to find him an emotion donor, but the doctor thinks they are volunteers. Meanwhile, Ama's best friend, Zima, comes to visit, and Ama feels left out whenever she's around. Play the role of Zima. Natasha Henstridge. Absolute legend, Natasha Henstridge. Oh, yeah. Zima. Oh my. Could they get a more 90s name? Just saying. The Ebola Tola. Well, no, but Zima. We know what Zima is or was back in the 90s. Alcoholic crap, basically. And then the Ebola Tola. At least the references are somewhat timely. Uh, yeah. I'll give them that. And they got Natasha Henstridge. And they got Little Richard to play the Ebola Tola. <laughs> Hold on. We mentioned Natasha Henstridge. We're not going to mention She Spies. Oh, we're definitely going to mention She Spies. We need to mention She Spies because it's so bad it's good. Or yeah. It's so good it's bad. Maybe both. Maybe both. It's both. Episode 18. The Naked and the Dread, or the Toast of the Town. Ty inherits the planet in the buff from his uncle, inhabited by all naked people and where the law forbids clothing. Morris joins a rebellious group of the planet that wants to wear clothes and is sentenced to death. I got a joke. If somebody asked me what the name of that planet right there was with the naked people on the planet, you know what I'd say it was? What? That would be in the buff, Bob. Oh, no. Oh, jeez. Oh, boy. You know that was good, Mike. What are you giving me the Yankees thumbs down sign for? Playing Delia in this episode, Shannon Tweed. Okay, Mike, just say it. Just say what Shannon Tweed was known for, according to you. Mrs. Gene Simmons? Besides that. What do you want me to say? Say the line, Mike. Well, if I knew what the line was, I'd say the line. He was on a week of match game high with Squares Hour, Mike. Oh, I wasn't even thinking of that. <laughs> but she's known for more than just that and being Mrs. Gene Simmons. Oh, yeah, she's known for more than that, if you know what I mean. <laughs> well, that's why I said, you know, you want me to say the line? Say what line? She's had so many lines over the years. Good night, everybody. Hey, I didn't mean it that way, Chico. Episode 19, Tales from the Dark Side, or Ty Takes the Red Eye. Ty takes an offer to become a red-eye knight, but he finds himself lured to the evil dark side. Red-eye knight! Get it! The red-eye knight! Mike, you get it. I get get it, I get it. How could you not get it? It's a pun on Jedi knight. Meanwhile, Vashti has trouble with the IRS. 
Hold on. She has trouble with Erwin R. Scheister? No. Oh, I wish Mike Rotunda had cameoed in this episode. I'm more surprised they have the IRS in outer space. Episode 20, How the West Was Lost, or Daddy's Home. The Hoopty crashes on the fantasy planet where Mr. Dork and Snafu accommodate Moe's cowboy fantasy and Ty's desire for a perfect sitcom family. Yeah, they're doing a parody of Fantasy Island, obviously. Playing Mr. Dork, Eric Estrada. And playing his little friend, Snafu, the late, great Gary Coleman. Oh, gosh! That is fantastic. That's fantastic. Eric Estrada and Gary Coleman. Just get it this, out. This is the combo I never imagined, but we never asked for it. But you know what? That's great. This show gave us that combination. Isn't that wonderful, guys? Eric Estrada and Gary Coleman together. I have nothing to say. I have no reaction. Oh, God. Gary Coleman is snafu. Not tattoo snafu. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. This might be one of the first episodes that leaves me in physical pain at the end. This is so horrible. Oh, boy. Okay. But, hey, I'm looking at the... The cast of this episode, uh, a consulting producer on this episode, did much, 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 much better stuff than this. Definitely known for bigger things than than this stupid show. Al Jean. Uh, yeah. The Simpsons, the critic. I could go on, but I think that's all you need. That's all you need to know. And the last episode... The Adventures of Ratman and Dribble, or Holy Homeboys in Outer Space. Talk about Ty- going out on a high note. God, yeah, you have no idea. Ty and Moe purchase the Ratman and Dribble superhero franchise, little realizing the evil Rhymer has a villainous coalition ready to destroy them. Wait, how'd they buy the rights to this franchise? You know, I have no idea. Now, hold on. I have a theory. Okay. Let's remember, just a few episodes ago, Ty inherited an entire planet. There you go. But again, just following this absolute stupidity, Ratman and Gerbil, and the and the villain is the evil Rhymer, not the Joker, the Rhymer. Oh, but look who they got to play the Rhymer. Oh, they got some good people on this last episode. I, got- don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah. They got John Aston, who played the Riddler. He's playing the Rhymer now. Yeah, because remember, he was the second Riddler on Batman 66. Not Batman 66. (laughs) (laughs) Hold on. Hold on. Could Could you imagine if they got William Conrad on this show to play a version of the Batman? Was William Conrad even still alive in 1996 or 1997? The answer to that is a resounding no. He died in 1994. Oh, that's a shame. Didn't live long enough to see this show. No, didn't eat the rest of that Danish. Nope. (laughs) Who's been cheesing that Danish? Oh. (gasps) Playing gerbil, Burt Ward. Oh, that makes sense. 
And uh, Peter McKenzie actually has an appearance, a double appearance, as both Android Lloyd Wellington III and as Ratman. Playing Buttman, a character named Buttman, Sean Baker, who is on Where I Live with Flex. Playing Ginger is Suzanne Mary, who was known for playing two episodes of American Gangster Trap Queens, among other things. But here's the thing. I've saved the big one for last. Playing himself, George Takei. Oh my. <laughs> well, they certainly brought the star power out for the last episode. Well, they kind of had to. Either they were going to... This was either a desperate ploy for ratings, or they knew they were cancelled, so they said, huh, might as well just blow the budget here. I would ask what happened to this show, but it's pretty darn obvious what happened. But I will say that UPN started their season in August and got a leg up on the competition, meaning that Moesha had really good numbers, and Homeboys in Outer Space managed to capture some of those numbers because everything else was in reruns. But then you go into September, and it's up against Life's Work, whatever that is, Promised Land, which is a Touch by an Angel spinoff, and Something So Right. It lasted two seasons. And Homeboys in Outer Space, I mean, it got a killer lead-in with Moesha, but just could not do anything with it. I mean, let me just say, Moesha averages a low four, high three. Star Trek Voyager averaged a mid four. Aside from the obvious, I mean, absolutely, completely clueless would be being kind to the writing and the producing of the show. It went for the audience of two of UPN's big hitters and managed to alienate both of the audiences. I don't know what you guys are talking about. This show was great. It should have had at least six seasons. Okay? I'm going to go to my grave and say it's six seasons. You can all fight me on this. Okay? Six seasons. Right, right. Well, you can judge for yourself because the entire run of the show has actually been released on DVD, but per the extent of our research, it is nothing more than home recordings ripped to DVD-R, so buyer beware on that one. Several episodes, however, are available on YouTube if you know where to look. I don't know what else to say about this show, honestly. I can't. This was amazing. Amazingly bad. I'm sorry, the writing on this episode, at least in terms of the character names and the locations, the planet in the buff where they don't wear clothes and the rhymer, not the joker, and just the puns in the titles of the episodes. I think they were trying to sell it a little too hard, to be honest. You're saying they were trying a bit hard on this one? Well, I think also at this point, UPN, you had to try hard to get viewers. You really did. Because, again, look at the competition. 
ABC was leading off the night with Roseanne and was featuring Home Improvement in Spin City. CBS was leading off the night with Promised Land, which is your family drama. That comes with its own built-in audience. Fox had a movie on. NBC had Mad About You, Frasier, and Caroline in the City. What was UPN to do? Build off Moesha. But at the end, like I said, they went for the Moesha audience and the Star Trek audience, and they ended up alienating both of them. So ultimately, Homeboys in Outer Space just became a thing on TV. Well, you can climb aboard your space hoopty and surf on over there. It was a thing on TV.com where you'll find all of our previous entries, our minisodes, our live watches, links to our socials. Remember, we're on all social media and it was a thing on TV, except for Facebook because we dropped out of the uh, Space Command Community College. So they sent us on our way with uh, it was a thing on TV podcast. It's all political. Anyway, don't forget, we are also available wherever fine podcasts can be streamed. Like and subscribe, rate and review. Five stars only because positive vibes only. And if you're listening on YouTube, do not forget to hit the notification bell so you can stay up to date on all of our future entries, including what we have planned for our Easter episode on Thursday. Imagine, if you will, a man with an uncanny power of bringing things back to life. Good thing he didn't touch homeboys in outer space, am I right? Oh boy. Can you imagine the crap that would happen if he did? But hey, this episode finally gives us a chance to talk about Kristen Chenoweth. Yep, it does. And we'll talk about Kristen Chenoweth and all of her friends next time right here on it was a thing on tv for greg for mike i'm chica thank you so much for listening please be kind to each other and we will see you for the next one hey guys i can sort of imagine what the space hoopty would sound like there it goes speeding down the highway to the basketball game at the university of california in riverside how long ago did you play that i played in uh 70 from 73 to 77 73 to 77. You were out there for four years. Did you let her all four years? Yes, I did. You must have been a pretty good player. That's what a space hoopty sounds like.